0: Section seventy nine of Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock by Eliza Fenwick. Volume three, letter thirty eight from Lord Filmar to Sir Walter Boyer your pardon walter that i should pass your lodgings as i drove out of town without stopping to say a single how do ye but let pity and humanity plead their cause with ever so much eloquence yet the prejudices of custom are so potent that a man becomes ashamed if his eyes give their tribute to the feelings of his heart truly walter i should have blushed to-day at my insensibility if i had not wept yesterday yet for weeping i coward-like drew up the blinds of my chaise and to hide myself from the finger of scorn bade the driver carry me with all expedition to my aunt's retreat at hayley lodge i must suppose for your own sake boyer that when you wrote me your hasty letter to the farm you were uninformed of montgomery's marriage with mrs ashburn haste could not excuse such an oversight as little as you knew of miss valmont no no it was not possible you could be informed of it and not send me the tidings i am an ass i have not the common discernment of a schoolboy or i had never talked of accommodating her condition by tardy travelling when i was bearing miss valmont to her beloved though perfidious clement speed flying speed was alone necessary to her safety i spared neither money nor command yet to her foundered not that she complained never she even thanked my zeal when her gasping sensations would give way to utterance but i saw it walter in her eyes i saw the speed of her affections in the convulsive swells of her bosom do not call me ridiculous but upon my soul there were moments of the journey that while gazing on her i was on the point of grasping her in my arms lest her very form should dissolve into feeling and vanish from my protection once i refused to proceed unless she would take refreshment she did not plead and taking from me a cup of chocolate her shaking hand raised it halfway to her lips then returned it untasted to the table i drew a chair and deliberately seated myself as if resolved to put my threat in practice after a short silence sir said she have you ever known what it is to love i was looking on the fire and recollecting some odd sensations that had occasionally crept to my heart was about to reply in the affirmative but turning my head and meeting the full gaze of her eloquent eye an honest and prompt reply sprang to my lips by my soul and salvation never madam griffiths see the horses instantly put to the chaise we alight no more till we alight in london montgomery showed you a silly portrait that he painted to say it was the likeness of miss valmont was a falsehood twas a mere passive representation of fine features let him paint me their energy their force the fulness of hope that beamed from them yesterday morning and i will say he is worthy of miss valmont's love he cannot do it walter he could as soon be a god she never was beautiful till then not in the fullest bloom of her vigour and prosperity did she ever equal herself such as i saw her yesterday morning this madam is miss ashburn's residence i said as we drove to the door i shall see my caroline first then said miss valmont next my clement agitated as i was at the time by her impatience and expectations i cannot suppose i inquired for any one else than miss ashburn whether the servant imagined she was of the party or concluded my visit must be to his mistress i know not but he announced lord Filmar in the drawing-room and i led in the loveliest spectre with golden threaded hair to an apartment where montgomery lolled negligently on one sofa and his portly bride on another shall i tell you how they looked no for their best looks are worthless but i will tell you that miss valmont looked ardour love and truth she raised her clasped hands one instant then rushed into the arms of montgomery which involuntarily opened to receive and were compelled to sustain her a confused suspicion of something more than usually wrong in montgomery darted upon my mind i looked wistfully around the apartment as it were for a relief from danger and my heart bounded as i saw miss ashburn enter the room charming woman she could make astonishment yield to better feelings with admirable presence of mind she instantly approached miss valmont saying sibella dearest sibella have you no tokens for your caroline oh yes replied miss valmont many many love and gratitude also for my caroline happy happy world i will live with you in it for ever miss ashburn endeavoured to retain sibella in her embrace and began hurryingly to inquire of her where she had been and by what means she had got hither but miss valmont knew nothing of the past she was alive only to the present to her own anticipation of the future she turned back to him i say for ever clement she would have given herself a second time to his arms but an averted look and staggering retreat forbade her good god walter methinks i see her now never shall i cease to remember the changes of her countenance from rapture to astonishment from dumb astonishment to doubt and from doubt the quick transition to despair thus spoke to her the hesitating cold-blooded villain miss valmont you have used me very ill once i i could have it was barbarous of you who knew your uncle's severe disposition a little longer concealment might he paused Miss Ashburn's tears began to flow for her friend, who showed no symptom of common sorrow. Miss Ashburn endeavoured to take her hands, but Sibella shrunk, as if the kind emotions of her nature were congealed. A tear that had lingered on her cheek, the last of her tears of happiness, died away. Her asking eye still fixed itself on Montgomery, nor could he forbear answering to it, you know miss valmont hear me listen only to me exclaimed miss ashburn sabella pushed her firmly aside and bent forward to him i would miss valmont continued he in the same irresolute cowardly cruel tone i should be glad to serve you it will be best that you return to your uncle it might have been otherwise but you were always rash and premature this is not time for explanations i am sorry but i cannot now give you any protection for i i am indeed yes madam i am married are we not both married said she with an emphasis that thrilled him what is this speak clement nay now miss Valmont, you are childish said miss ashburn coldly montgomery's bride i mean what man of taste marries a woman after an affair with her i can bear this no longer cried miss ashburn silence madam Sibella, dear Sibella, turn your eyes on me let not their pure rays beam on a wretch so worthless devoured by emotions over which friendship had no control she was still deaf to miss ashburn still those pure eyes bent their gaze on montgomery who now trembled who now could not ever articulate his broken sentences who fainting with guilt supported himself by leaning on the back of that couch on which he had so lately reclined in the ease of his basely purchased triumph suddenly starting from this posture he rushed towards the door whither whither clement exclaimed miss valmont oh you'll take me with you clement and while without daring to look on her he disengaged his hand which she had seized she rapidly uttered in a softened tone of voice clement lover husband all the door shut upon montgomery she shrieked miss ashburn would have embraced her but she would not suffer it she sunk upon the floor she crossed her arms upon her bosom with a violent pressure as if to bind the agony her teeth grated against each other and every limb shuddered I had approached her with Miss Ashburn and scarcely less affected than Miss Ashburn herself. I was turning away to hide my emotions when she sprang upon her feet in an instant and grasping my arm. You shall not go without me, she said. Come, sir, I have told you the way. Carry me back to the castle. Then you have forgotten your Caroline, forgotten the kind Murden who hazarded so much to save you. No replied miss valmont i never forgot any one she took her hand from my arm and lifted both hands to her forehead she stood immovable in deep musing for some time take me to the castle at length she exclaimed without changing her posture or looking at any person bid mr valmont provide a dungeon where i can die i will not go to the wood oh no nor to my chamber she groaned and started for whom is it that you weep thus she asked abruptly turning round to miss ashburn for my sibella she bent forward and gazed intently in miss ashburn's face as if in search of something it is caroline said she drawing back spreading her arms wide she looked down upon herself sibella then every muscle of her face convulsed with anguish she bent her eyes upon the door and that was clement oh in short walter a thousand tender touches followed which wrung my heart to pity while that woman had the insolence and brutality to call herself montgomery's wife but sibella did not understand her or if she did twas nothing his look his tones had completed the work and her mind could feel nothing beyond other dreadful agonies followed but under the suffering of those she was patience itself she was conveyed to her friend's chamber and in three hours delivered of a dead child i waited the result alone in miss ashburn's library canvassing over all the exquisite concern i had in producing such misery to this injured sibella had i been buried in a quicksand on the road to hipsley her noble-minded caroline and the tender Murden might by due preparation have robbed clement's perfidy of half its sting but to come upon her thus to hurl her down such a precipice from the felicity of her expectations oh no wonder her life should be in danger and think walter what i must have felt when they came to tell me so in such a moment who could palliate not i indeed i did not conceal from miss ashburn an atom of the truth and she talked like an angel for she not only told me i should amend but taught me how to amend one little satisfaction indeed visited me under that roof i saw janetta Laundy disgracefully dismissed she it was i doubt not that made this match to satisfy her own grasping avarice by montgomery's folly would you believe that she had so far imposed on the credulity of mrs ashburn that she dared sneer at my assertions luckily i had some letters in my pocket-book lately written by her to me and such proofs could neither be denied nor parried as the letters pretty fully displayed the commerce with montgomery mrs ashburn poured on her a torrent of abuses but scarcely had janetta withdrawn when she complained that her daughter had made her house odious to her had brought a rival to insult her and finally she ordered a servant to inquire if mr montgomery would attend her to the opera mr montgomery was nowhere to be found and next miss ashburn gave me a commission no less walter than to relate my worthy exploits to mr murden by the interest of miss ashburn's name i was admitted to his chamber when i saw the wasted form and heard the hollow voice of murden and knew for miss ashburn had told me that love of miss valmont had brought him thus near the grave i shuddered at the idea of my commission he heard me with a composure which shocked while it astonished me till i mentioned our entering mrs ashburn's drawing-room hold sir cried he has she then seen him i replied she has indeed enough sir said he i know all that remains already not another syllable passed between us till i rose to go he then offered me his hand and said if i would promise not to pity him he would ask to see me again and so he shall I will, if possible, see him before he dies. My messenger who brings you this letter travels for tidings respecting Miss Valmont. Adieu, Filmar End of section 79